You are listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Presbyterian Church in Winston-Salem. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church, visit salempresws.org. That's salempresws.org. We believe the teaching is best. Uh, my name is Ben Milner, I'm one of the pastors of the larger here. And, uh, that people we are looking at the Something spiritually unique letter of uh, Peter. This is the Peter we meet each uh, the Sunday disciple. And uh, he writes this letter to these seven churches and these acts are that are in Asia. When done um, together. They're in modern day Sunday Turkey. Evenings, 5 so it would be um, Salem, you know, north, 600, you know, a map of Turkey, northeastern Turkey. Uh, these different churches that are, they're Gentiles. These are all people who don't know anything about the God of Israel until they uh, meet um, Paul. Paul is probably the one that brought the gospel to them. And um, the essence of this letter, we looked at this last week. This is our second week looking at, at Peter. And uh, the essence of the letter, I would say, is found in these two words that are right at the very beginning of the letter in verse 1, where Peter addresses them as uh, elect exiles. So it's those two words I want to concentrate on tonight, and uh, those will be throughout the entire letter. Uh, the ideas of both uh, election um, and the, the idea of being in exile. And the idea of election is basically that, uh, that you and I were, um, were handpicked by God, were chosen uh, to fight against uh, the empire that we live in. Um, in their day, it was the Roman Empire. In our day, it's the empire all around us. Uh, it's essentially the same thing through all uh, time and space. But uh, in some ways, we're like a special operations, you know, a special ops group, like Navy SEALs. Um, but instead of being these ultimate fighting machines that are really fit, uh, we're more like Navy SEALs that are really good at, um, at recovery from the empire. So we're like in detox. You know, we're, de- we're detoxing from the empire. That's our special skill. Uh, we were chosen by God to be these, uh, these people who are basically in recovery, uh, like we're in an AA or a huge AA meeting where we're recovering from our addiction to the empire. And in, in being handpicked to do that, we end up being exiles uh, because we are not in our home. Our home is of, of, is of a different world. This world is not our home. We're citizens of heaven. And we're down here to show the world what it looks like to live in a different way from the empire. And therefore, we are exiles in whatever culture we're in. We're always going to be very different from the culture. So those two things, uh, election and then exile. So first of all, uh, we are elect. This is a theme that is from the very beginning of the Bible to the end. And it's amazing how many podcasts and sermons I listen to. And for whatever reason, Christians just cannot handle this idea. Uh, But the reality is that we are chosen by God. Uh, We did not choose him. He chose us. We came freely to him, but he is the one who initiated and pursued and got us. And it says in verse 23, you have been born again. Uh, you have been born again, by an, not by a perishable, by, but by an imperishable seed. And a baby does not choose to be born into its family. It does not even choose to come into the world. When a baby is born, no one uh, gives kudos to the baby if you're on a really good birth. The baby is birthed by the mother. Uh, the mother, in this case, in the analogy, is God. And God gives birth to us. And so um, our life in God, this imperishable life that cannot be rotted by the empire, is completely a gift of God. It's the initiative of God. 
Uh, a Christian is a person that is recreated by the Spirit of God. And that kind of person is created with a new kind of life. It's a, a kind of life that is very, very different from the world. It's a kind of life. The word holy, H-O-L-Y, the word holy means separated. Uh, countercultural, avant-garde, different. And it says in verse 15, he who calls you is holy, and so you must be holy. In other words, we've got to be a very different kind of community, an alternative culture to the world that we live in. And every single one of you that believes God came to you and he said to you, said to me, Ben Milner, I choose you to be part of this, uh, this new kind of uh, family that I'm creating on earth, a family that is detoxing from the empire. So we're all chosen. Okay, we're all chosen. Like it or not, if you're a believer, that's all God. That's not you. Um, and there is a uh, fantastic, I guess you'd call it a mini-series called The Chosen. Anybody like The Chosen? I, I love, uh, I would highly recommend, I've recommended it to so many people, I don't think anybody is actually taking my recommendation. So this is a public recommendation that you watch The Chosen. It's an app, and even if you don't like, like depictions of Jesus or Jesus movies, it's amazing. Uh, I thought the title referred to Jesus as The Chosen One. It's actually not only about the chosen one, Jesus, but about the ones that he has chosen. So when, it, when it's called the chosen, I think it's as much about the disciples that he is choosing, because almost every episode is a different backstory about different disciples. And in one of them, there is this man named Nathaniel. And this, this is a bit of an embellishment, but they make Nathaniel into this architect. Okay, so Nathaniel is a very successful architect in Caesarea Philippi, and one day this building that he builds crashes, it comes down, and his career is ruined. It's this massive mistake that he makes, and he is dead to the empire. His life in the empire is over. The Roman Empire has no use for him. And so he goes out under a tree, sits under a tree, and he takes all of his architectural drawings and he burns them, one by one. And he's crying, he's, he's screaming at God, where are you? Why have you forgotten me? And he, he takes the ashes from his architectural drawings and he smears them all over his face. He smears them all over his face. And you see kind of a depiction of him from a distance, as if you're watching him. And you find out later on that, that Jesus is actually watching him do all this. And so Jesus goes into the city of Caesarea Philippi in order to find, to choose and find Nathaniel. And uh, when he comes to him, uh, he sees him at a distance. He walks right up to him and he puts his hand right on Nathaniel's shoulder. And he says to him, Nathaniel, I have known you for a long time. And I saw you sitting under that tree. And he says, don't, don't look away. Look at me in the eye, because Nathaniel feels ashamed. And he says, Nathaniel, I want you to help me build something beautiful. And he brings him into his community of disciples. And the next episode, you see that Nathaniel actually builds one of the tabernacles at the Feast of Booths in Jerusalem when the disciples go down for the Feast of Tabernacles. And so in every single disciple in The Chosen, you see over the course of the show that they begin to live into the way that Jesus calls them, the way that he sees them. They begin to live into that choice that Jesus made of them. And so it's easy for you to think, well, I'm not one of the 12. I'm not one of those early disciples. I'm just a nobody. But the fact is that he didn't pick Nathaniel because Nathaniel was a great architect. He picked Nathaniel in his abject failure, right when he was being a complete washout, 
And some, he's, he was a waste. His life was over. And that's when he comes to you and he says, I want you. So he looked at Mount Tabor High School in 1988, looked at all the students, and the very least likely one to become a preacher was Ben Milner, the atheist, the angry atheist who was terrified of speaking. There was one class where I had to get up and do a presentation. I got up, I was so nervous, I just sat back down. There was no chance in the world that I would ever be up here preaching the gospel to you, but he comes to me, he comes to you in your greatest weakness, and he says, I want you, uh, I want you. I'm going to make that strong in you. And I'm going to make you into what I want you to be. And you're going to become what I say you are. It's exactly what he did to Peter. Peter was this uh, tempestuous, um, mercurial weather vane who just blew about by every wind and every wave of temperament. Uh, he was a hothead. Um, he couldn't hold his tongue. And, and Jesus comes up to me and says, Peter, you're a rock. You're, you're solid as a rock. And it's upon your faith that I'm gonna build my church. And he didn't see like this kind of rock potential in Jesus, uh, in Peter, he just, he called him to be the rock. He said, you're going to be a rock. And now Peter is turning to his churches and he's doing to them what he knew so well that Jesus did to him. He's redefining them. And he's saying to these pagan worshiping Gentile, uh, Asians, Turks, he says, uh, verse 18, you were ransomed from your old futility. That's not who you are anymore. You were ransomed. That's verse 18. Verse 22, your souls have been purified. All these verbs are in the past tense, completed action. You were ransomed. You have been purified. And then verse 23, you have become imperishable. So you Gentiles, you God-hating Gentiles who worship these little things of stone and wood, you are now ransomed, purified, and imperishable. He redefines us. And you should think about the way that he has redefined you. And not only does he redefine you, he takes you and he puts you into his family. And he says, I have a special place for you in my family. And the way you grow to know who you are is in the family of God, as Jesus tells you who you are. So you're not here by accident today. Um, you're here because he's called you. And he's called you to serve our city as an exile as someone who is detoxing from the empire. So that's the first point. We're chosen, we're elected to be citizens of an alternative culture. We're aliens and strangers and immigrants. And because we're that, we are therefore in exile. Because this, the more you're a believer in Christ, the more you follow Christ, the world that you live in, the culture you live in does not make sense to you. It's like you can't speak the language anymore. It's like uh, you don't know the customs anymore because you're not of that land. You're in exile. And that's what I want to turn to now. Point two, being in exile. So if you can, imagine a culture where everybody is distracted by entertainment. Constantly distracted from the truth by entertainment. Uh, there's a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman, written in the 80s, before the iPhone came out. And he talks, the, the cover is a picture of a family in front of a uh, TV set, and I think all their faces are like uh, TVs. So it's kind of a disturbing image of the way that we've all just become these people who are ignoring the truth and avoiding reality by moving from one pleasure, one little hit of dopamine to the next. One little form of entertainment to the next. And, and Peter calls that being conformed to the passions of your ignorance in verse 14. I really like that phrase, uh, being conformed 
to your desires, which are coming out of ignorance, because you're always distracting yourself. So imagine you're living in that culture, and imagine one day someone comes up to you and they say to you, there's a lot more to reality than you know. And if you will take this pill, if you will simply take this truth serum pill into yourself, this will open your eyes to reality. And you'll begin to see, if you take this pill, that you're actually living in a very different kind of world than you thought you were. And you're gonna, you're gonna see the empire for what it is, and you're gonna become part of this new battle that's going on, that's raging underneath the surface, and you're gonna see things with brand new eyes. Verse 23, Peter says, you are born again through the seed, through the little pill that is packed with truth serum, the, the living word of God. To be born again is to be able to see things in a brand new way. And of course, if you know uh, the movie The Matrix, you know that that's what I'm offhandedly referring to. That's what happens in the movie The Matrix. And it's what Peter is talking about here. Uh, verse 17, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time of exile. You know, there's one guy in the Matrix who, even though he knows this steak that he's about to eat is a total illusion, he cannot help himself, and he goes for the steak, and he's destroyed by the Matrix. He becomes a slave again. And so we have to conduct ourselves with fear, knowing that we can easily be entangled back into the addictions, um, the lusts, the passions, the desires, the overweening desires of the empire. Um, we're supposed to live instead like we're part of the Exodus story. And I love the way that Peter, over and over again in this letter, he keeps telling these Gentile uh, new believers, you're part of the story of Israel. You have a new backstory. And we're going to see that in this meal. This is our Passover meal. And we are all people who, who now our new backstory is the story of Israel. And so in verse 13, Peter says, prepare your minds for action and be sober-minded. And that's a reference to the Exodus. Because literally it says, tuck in the cloak of your mind. Which is a reference to Exodus 12:11, where it says, tuck in the cloak and get ready to walk. And if you know the story of Exodus, you know, that's, that, that's the Passover night. That's the night where... Israel is supposed to be getting out of Egypt. And so we've got to get ready. We've got to buckle up, you know, get our minds prepared, and, and stop living like we're in Egypt and want to move forward into the promised land, our true home. And so being sober-minded and living with fear means stop getting drunk on the distractions of the empire and stop being mesmerized by that stake you want so badly and realize you're part of this massive battle between God and the empire. And so don't anesthetize yourself. Uh, wake up and see that the empire has its claws in you and it wants to devour you. And we're leaving Egypt, right? We're getting out of here. This is not our home. And so it'd be crazy for someone on Passover night to like buy a new house in Egypt. It'd be crazy for them to start redecorating their house or buying new furniture for their house. We're leaving Egypt. We're going to the promised land. And it's when you forget you're part of the Exodus story, uh, that this is not our home, then you begin to live like an Egyptian. And you begin to get distracted and always thinking about things here 
all your uh, things you're nervous about, especially um, security, comfort, entertainment, living a life of pleasure. Uh, verse 14, again, conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Conformed being a word that means wax being poured into a mold. Just conformed to the mold of the world. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's like your neural pathways get conformed to all these little images we see on our screens. We are bombarded by hundreds of these images all the time. I believe every day, it's, it's an astounding number. Uh, it's well over 100 different advertisements a day that you are subjected to. And the sad thing is we think that our passions, we're told that our passions are what make us unique. You know, I'm the type, I'm the type guy that, that has an iPhone. I'm the type guy that drives a Honda Pilot. I'm the type guy that has Patagonia shirts. And you know, we think that makes us unique. Our little passions, our desires. It's like those iPhone commercials where you see all these cosmopolitan, international, hip young people in cool clothes, and they're like dancing around doing flips, and uh, they look so happy and cool and hip. And uh, in fact, instead of making them unique, we're all conforming to the image that they show us in that commercial. And uh, we're becoming like this subdivision of cookie cutter homes. And that's what, the, that's what the passions of this world do to you. They make you like lemmings. And they drive you into the habits of generational sins. You know, one generation repeating after another the same habits over and over and over again. Verse 18, the futile ways of your forefathers. Um, one of the futile ways of my forefathers of the Milner household is um, the Milners have always loved food. Uh, we're not rare in that, but we particularly love food. And we find a lot of our comfort every day uh, in food. I, I got that from my dad. He got that from his dad. Um, we're also very impatient. So if you combine food and impatience together, it's a toxic brew. And um, when we get to restaurants, uh, Milners want to be seated very quickly. And uh, it could be uh, kind of innocent sometimes. It seems like it could be very innocent. Uh, what's the big deal about getting uh, irritable if we're having to wait for a seat? But um, it can get pretty dark sometimes. So a few weeks ago, we were going to Pancho Villa's, which is my son Cooper's favorite restaurant. Um, and we were driving up uh, to Pancho Villa's and, and, and Cooper knows the drill. I'm like, Cooper, we're going to get there. Uh, you're going to jump out. You're going you're gonna to go to the door and then I'll park later. But I want you to to hop out, see that old couple right there, we gotta pass them and you're gonna run in front of them and get to the hostess before they get there. Because you know Pancho Villas, it gets really busy there on a Friday night and I don't wanna wait, you know, I wanna get one of those things that tells you how long the wait is. So uh, Cooper's like, well, they look like they're about as old as Ida and Papa, your parents. So maybe, you know, maybe would you want Ida and Papa to have some young run, uh, person run in front of them and get a table? I was like, whatever, okay, I'll park. Uh, I was kind of repenting, but not entirely, because once we got in the restaurant and uh, the old people were <laughs> seated in front of us, this huge fear came over me. Uh, and I said to Cooper, if there's a 20 minute wait right now, that's on you, okay, that's your fault. And I realized, um, you know, right there, uh, the, the futile ways of the father being passed down to the son. I mean, how, how dark is that, that I wanted this couple uh, to be waiting for me. Uh, that I am 
teaching my son to care more about food and getting in front of people uh, than being patient and waiting for God's kingdom. Think about in your life the way that these seemingly innocent desires, and of course, that, that one is, is, is not the worst. You know, there's plenty of other things. I mean, think about the ways that you conform yourself to whatever you feel like doing. And even saying these passions of mine, uh, you know, for sexuality or for food or for promotion or for having the biggest career or, or the, the best house or the best car, you know, these things are corrupting me. These things are corrupting me. And I'm, I am part of actually making the empire worse instead of bringing an alternative kingdom to bear on this world. But thanks be to God, uh, I am not defined by my uh, impatience and desire for food. That's not what defines me anymore. What defines me now, more than that, is the call of Jesus where he says in verse 18, you, Ben Milner, were ransomed from your former ways. And not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with imperishable things. And if I was ransomed by God, that means I was a hostage. That means that at one time I was captive to the devil. I was in captivity to the empire. And to ransom to me, uh, somebody had to pay a big price, a very large price. It was not easy to get me out of the empire. But Jesus came and he says, I'm going to take his place. And I'm going to offer my life for his life. I'm going to take all the death and the futility of all the things that Ben Milner desires and I'm going to give him my perfect life and my perfect righteousness to free him and to free you from your bondage. And that's what we're going to celebrate at this meal, which is completely vacant tonight. But that's because it's down below because of the rain. Uh, but there is wine and grape juice and bread here. And on the night that our Lord was betrayed, it was like a Passover night. And he took bread and he said, this is my body. I'm like the Passover lamb broken for you. And so the, the, the lamb 